0: I love you, I love you, I love you, Lord, today, because you care for me in such a special way. That's why I praise you, I lift you up, I magnify your name, that's why my heart is filled. Would you sing it all over this room and at every campus? Oh, I love you. Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord, today. Oh, because you care for me. You just care for me. That's why I praise you. I lift. By my heart, sing it one more time. I love you, Lord. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord, today. Because you care for me, it's such a strength Time, everybody singing. Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you today because you just you take such good care of me. Yes, every special way I, I praise you, I lift you up, and I have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open them with me. I'm going this morning to the book of Exodus, the 32nd chapter, Exodus chapter 32. And I want to show you this morning, I'm going to basically preach this message and here's the, here's the gist of it. There are only two teams and you're cheering for one team or the other team. There's team heaven and there's team hell. Just going to be real plain now. There's team Jesus and there's team Satan. And the battle lines have gotten drawn real clear in the times that we're living in. And you're either part of team heaven or you're part of team hell. And if you have not made the decision to be part of team heaven, team Jesus, then you by default become part of team hell. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter if you're a nice person. Doesn't matter if you are a moral person. If you have not, Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're not a part of the kingdom of heaven. And there's team heaven and there's team hell. And you're on team heaven or team hell. And that's why this text is so important. I'll cut to the chase on it in verse 16 or verse 17. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's no noise of war in the camp. But he said it is not the noise of the shout of victory nor the noise of the cry of defeat but the sound of singing I hear. The next verse says that, that he came near the camp and he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses was angered. And I'm going to skip down to uh, verse 25. Now when Moses saw the people were unrestrained, the King James says they were naked. They were naked, literally stripped their clothes off. They had him an idol. They made a golden idol He's coming down off the mountain and they're naked and they're dancing and they're partying and they are with team hell and they are screaming and shouting and dancing. Notice it and notice that we know what team you are on by the way you dress. Uh, This is important during the summertime. Someone just go on and just jump on in right here. People will know what team you're on by, by, by... You don't ever see a fan wearing clothes from the other team. And so, you know, if, if you wear dental floss for a bathing suit on the beach... Now, I'm going to preach to the women in a minute. I'm just talking to the men right now. <laughs> but there ought to be some modesty about us. There ought to be... Have fun and all that. But you ought not to go into 7-Eleven with your cheeks hanging out. Because people can tell what team you're on by. If you're putting it all out there, they might think that you're with team idol that's worshiping the golden calf because that first thing they did was strip their clothes off. Well, it's going to be fun this morning, I can tell. (laughs) Here we go. I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I love the question... I love the question. I love the question. All these years, I haven't softened on that one either. The more hell has fought me, the more I say, as for me and my house, we will. The more culture gives in, the more the church gets silent and gets canceled, the more it makes me want to proclaim, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who's on Team Heaven? Who's not confused? Who's not defaulting by being silent? When your team. All right. So Moses is coming down and he asks this question in verse 26. He sees the two teams forming. He's got the law in his hand, he's got the Ten Commandments. He's coming down and he sees the other uh, modern Aaron has modernized the worship so much so that they've stripped their clothes off and, all th- and they're worshiping a golden calf. And he asks this profound question. In verse 26, who is on the Lord's side? Which team are you on? Are you team heaven or are you team hell? Are you team Jesus or are you team Satan? Again, if you have not chose one of those, if you have not chosen and made your choice, you are by default on team hell and team Satan. That's that's how it is. That's the gospel. He said, it's the voice of shouting and singing. They have become fans of an idol, and they're worshiping loudly and dancing and and shouting their praises to their idol, their golden calf. Joshua understood the sound of fans worshiping, and they understood that sound is spiritual. Hell wants as much sound as it can get in our society. Team Hale understands that sound is spiritual. When you go to a concert, when you go to a ball game, they don't say get quiet, quiet, quiet on the LED screens. They say louder, louder, louder. And yet the church is getting quieter and quieter and quieter. And the world and those who are... In the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, they're getting louder and perversion is getting louder and louder and louder while the church is getting quieter. The fans of heaven... The Team Heaven is getting quieter, it seems like while the world had messed up people with, with no God, the voice of atheism, the voice of socialism, the voice of evil, the voice of corruption, it's getting louder. The anti-God voice is getting louder while the church doesn't want to offend anybody, doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to say nothing controversial. We want to be quiet. But sound is spiritual. If you don't believe sound is spiritual, and what I'm preaching is if you're on Team Heaven, fans are vocal. Fans get loud. And if if hell's crowd can get loud, we ought to get loud. And we ought not to be ashamed about it. We ought not to be intimidated about it. I'm on Team Heaven, and I'm not intimidated about it. If I come to a church, we're going to praise the Lord. And if I preach, I'm going to get loud. Ask the walls of Jericho if sound is spiritual. The walls responded to the loud shouts of faith and praise. The walls fell flat. Ask darkness if sound is spiritual. Sound is spiritual. When we raise our voices, it's a spiritual thing. When we praise, it's a spiritual thing. When we testify of God in our life, it's a spiritual thing. And the enemy wants us to get quieter and quieter and quieter and tell nobody you're a Christian and be quiet and be quiet. Don't say anything. If you see anything, don't say anything. Shh. Ask Gideon if sound is spiritual because he had 300 men And normal warfare strategy would say if you have 300 and the Midianites are 300,000, they have an armed group of soldiers, 300,000 strong, you surround them and you, "Shh, shh, be quiet. You don't want them to know that you're here. They're greater than you in number. They're greater than you in every way. And you need to be, but God's strategy said, nope, that's not how I fight my battles. He said, I want you to take glass pitchers that have a candle in it, and I want you to break the glass and let the light shine. And when it does, every one of you, 300 of you, to have a trumpet and I want you to blast that trumpet in praise to me and then I want you to lift up your voice and I want you to scream to the top of your voice the sword of the Lord in Gideon and he said even though the world says that you should be quiet church I want you to know my strategy is make as much noise as you can and blow the trumpet of praise and shout and shine in a dark world Real fans understand this. Team Hell knows that if they can just get us to be quiet, I'm talking about spiritually, and I'm talking about even in our nation and in our world, silence the voice of God. Silence the voice of the Holy Spirit. Silence the voice of the Word. Turn down the volume and turn down the voices. Make church... And the voices of church irrelevant to our society and our culture. And turn up the voices of the atheist. And turn up the voices of the humanists. And turn up the voices of those who don't believe in God and don't have any morals. And believe that anything should go and everything should go. And there's no such thing as absolutes anymore. And throw away the law of God. And throw away the truth of God's word. That's the deal that we are facing now. Hell's assignment is to cancel the sound and the voice. Cancel everything godly. Cancel everything wholesome. Cancel everything beautiful about marriage between a man and a woman. Cancel it. Cancel the marriage message. Cancel the message of separation. Cancel it. Cancel the volume and the voices. Cancel everything godly and let Sam Smith get on a a, a pedestal at the Grammys and worship Satan openly and get louder, louder, louder and let them dance around him and worship in Satan. Literally do it on primetime TV. But you bunch of crazy old-fashioned Christians, shut up and be quiet while they take over your universities, while they take over your school systems, while they take over your cities, while they take over your home, you just be quiet. It's our team versus Satan's team because anything that goes against this word is from Satan. This is God's book. This is God's word. Let God be true and every man who opposes it be a liar. I'm sorry, you came to the wrong service. I hate you invited your neighbor today. I'm going to embarrass you. I'll go on and tell you that now. I believe that we got to get back to team heaven or team hell. Who's on the Lord's side? Who still believes this is right? This is right. This is right. This is a pro-life book. This is right. This is a pro-marriage between a man and a woman, but I'm all for freedom. I'm all for live and let live, but you have no right to tell me that marriage is not between a man and a woman. He made them male and female. no other thing. And, and again, I got, I got, I got, I got. Team Heaven, Team Hell. Who's on the Lord's side? That doesn't mean we're mean to anybody. That doesn't mean we're ugly. That doesn't mean we don't want anybody and everybody to come to this church and we will love you. But I don't love you if I don't tell you the truth. I don't love you. I don't love you. And there is no life in the other way. There is no life except in this book. There is no eternal life and there is no life in this life. You are most miserable, the scripture says without the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Silence the voice of God. Silence the volume. Every time we come into this place, you need to understand what's at stake. It's our team versus Satan's team. It's a battle of thrones. And the first thing Satan is after is the pulpit. Because he knows if I just get up here and just don't ever preach with a burden and don't preach and seek the Lord and get a word from God and bring it. Team Hell wants this pulpit because as the pulpit goes, so goes the nation and so goes the world. And that is so troubling because there is a battle of thrones going on. And even in our state and even here in this city and in areas around us, the battle for the truth, the preachers to preach the truth, to stand for something, to stand up for the word of God. My goodness, our politicians have more courage than our pulpits. I mean, in the state of Georgia, I'm so proud of the Georgia legislature and Governor Kemp because they signed a bill that said, no, you cannot operate on an eight-year-old if you're a physician and change their sex and you can't give them puberty blockers if they're nine years old or 10 years old. They don't even know who they are yet. That's not hate, folks. That's just telling it like it is. That's just telling the truth. And it's team heaven. See, in Isaiah 14, Satan said, in one verse, he said, I will ascend to the throne of God. In other words, I want the pulpit. And if the preacher won't give me the pulpit, then he has plan B. If that won't work and I can't can't get the throne, I'll, I'll go sit in the mount of the congregation. If I can't get the preacher to sit down, I'll just get out in the congregation and I'll get them to sit down and be quiet and cancel the volume and cancel the voice of the church. And when the preacher gets up, he's in a battle of thrones, and you're supposed to be on team Jesus. You're supposed to be on team heaven, and you're so scared at what I'm saying that somebody might see you here. Lord, have mercy. What kind of sermon is this? Bless her heart, Jamie. ain't never heard me preach but two or three times, but you're going to get your ears full today, darling. I hate to tell you that. I'm telling you, I believe what I'm preaching. And and if you ever ought to shout, you ought to shout when the preacher's telling the truth. (laughs) Notice what Satan wants to do. He wants to sit in the seat in the congregation. Sitting. What's interesting is when you understand that that there's a battle going on. Every time the gospel is being preached, first the battle is for, for the mind and the heart of the preacher so that he won't get up and preach the truth that brings conviction and changes lives. Just preach something sweet. Just preach something nice. Just preach something non-controversial. Just preach something that just kind of go along to get along. And, and tell me seven ways to enjoy my vacation this summer. Just give me, give me something like that. You know, I don't need that hard thing. I don't need that word of separation. I don't need team heaven or team hell. Who's on the Lord's side? Choose this day who you will serve. I don't need that stuff. My family, they don't understand. My children, I know they don't understand because we've got so mealy-mouse that we don't tell them the truth. We've got to stand up for something. You know, Pentecost has a sound. The Bible said in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, there came a sound from heaven. In Acts 2 in verse 14, it says that the first thing the apostle Peter did was he stood up among the eleven. The first thing that's got to happen if you're on team heaven is you're gonna have to learn how to take a stand you're gonna have to stand up stand for something stand for something take a stand we shouldn't be sitting down when the world is so hungry for truth we ought to stand up and if it and if it's controversial then stand if it's it goes against culture stand if it's not popular stand and I'm not just saying, yeah, preacher, you need to do that. What about you? The enemy's silencing you, the enemy's turning your volume down. You're not getting louder and louder about the Bible and what it says. You're getting quieter and quieter because you don't want to be. And he's sitting in the congregation now. You know, Jesus, when he was in the desert in Matthew chapter 4, Satan came to him and three times Satan came to him and he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And Satan left him. And then the next thing that happened is Satan moved. He said, well, I'm not going to get the throne. He's not going to bow down and worship me. So let me go sit in the synagogue. And the Bible said that he went into the synagogue, went straight out of that desert, went into the synagogue, opened the Bible, Jesus began to preach, and the Bible said in Luke chapter 4, and I think it's 34, it said, and there was a man with an unclean spirit, a demon, and he cried out with a loud voice. Notice what he says, let us alone. Wow. That's when you know Satan's in the congregation. When they sit and they say, let us alone. Leave me alone. I don't want to get in nothing. I don't want to change. I don't, leave me alone. It, 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 you know, some of you, you know, turn to somebody and say, I don't know which team you're on. I've been sitting by you the whole service and I, I'm still confused. Are you on team heaven or team hell? Some of you are so comfortable for the devil, he's sitting in your lap. He, he's, he's, he's just, you hadn't moved the whole time, bless y'all. But I'm trying to get some people to say, I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on Team Heaven, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. We are not crazy, we are right. Isn't it amazing when you read in Genesis 19 about Sodom and Gomorrah, the whole city was given over to gay lifestyle, transvestites, homosexuality. It's sin. It's an abomination just like adultery is an abomination, just like fornication is an abomination, just like cursing God's name. You're breaking the commandments of God. And I'm not a preacher worth two cent if I won't say it in love and speak the truth in love and tell you. But notice what happened. Notice what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. It was full, and I'm sure somebody said, you shouldn't say anything, Lot, because they'll call you homophobic. But the Bible said that Lot was sitting down at the gate. He wasn't standing for anything. He wasn't standing up like Like the apostle did on the day of Pentecost. He stood and he lifted up his voice. But here is Lot and he's sitting. This is a picture of Christians who just sit and watch their culture rot. And they never speak up. They never stand up. They never get involved. They never let, they, they, well, you know, if they're bringing things into the schools and I appreciate parents who are starting to get involved and say, you know what? That crazy stuff is not coming into our school system. I, I know I sound like a fanatic or something, but really I'm not. This is how we used to preach all the time. I haven't changed. I used to preach it harder than this. I'm taking it easy on you. Turn to somebody and say, are you still on team hell? Ask them. The Bible said he stood up and the next thing he did is he lifted up his voice. You got to stand up. You got to stand for something. You know, when Eli was high priest, and the Philistines attacked. Do you know what the Bible said happened? It said Eli was sitting on a stool. You would think he would have took a stand. You would have, and, and the way that they lost the Ark of the Covenant is the man of God was sitting on a seat. And suddenly they stole the Ark of the Covenant and he fell backwards and broke his neck. And there are too many preachers. The glory is leaving the church and we're sitting down instead of standing up and saying, now wait a minute, this isn't right. Wait a minute, that's not right. That's not what the Bible says. We've got to get back to taking a stand. The apostle Peter stood and then the scripture said, he lifted up his voice. That doesn't sound conversational. Conversational. That sounds confrontational. He lifted up his voice. When we begin to declare openly and take a stand that I'm not ashamed to praise him, I'm a fan of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm on team heaven, and I will lift my hands, I will open my mouth, I will stand for what the Bible teaches and says, I believe it from cover to cover, and culture can't change what I believe. The battle for your voice is going on. And just like John was the forerunner of the first coming of Jesus Christ, our generation, this generation is the forerunner of the second return of Jesus Christ when he comes again. And guess what happened? A spirit of immorality said, I'm going to silence the voice of John the Baptist. It was Herod's wife who was his brother's Wife, this is real complicated. He was committing incest with his own brother's wife, having an affair with his own brother's wife, and John the Baptist points his bony finger. He wasn't politically correct. He wasn't worried about being banned from the cricket club or or whatever it is, you know, that you're worried about. He pointed his finger and he said, what you're doing, King, is wrong. It's evil. It's not right. And she got so mad. She said, I want his head on a silver platter. Silence that voice. And ladies and gentlemen, we are in the days and we are the generation that is proclaiming Messiah is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And the only question is, are you going to let the enemy silence your voice? Are you going to stand up for the truth of the Bible and God's word? My soul. I watched the other day the news, and I'm just gonna offend everybody, so I'm going to get it over with. But 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 I watched the news the other day and I got so disturbed. I watched the president's wife on International Women's Day give the award with all the amazing mothers and all the amazing grandmothers and all the amazing women all over the world. International Women's Day. He gave, she gave the award to a man in a wig with lipstick, panties, pantyhose, high heels, and a dress. And I know, I know, we should be quiet. We should be quiet. Pastor, you're going to ruin this church. No, I'm not. I'm going to get this church to heaven. We're the team heaven. It's time for somebody to come public with whose side you're on. Who is on the Lord's side? Who thinks that what's going on is crazy according to the word of God and wicked? It's wicked. You can be seated. Abel was such a worshiper that when they killed him, it was in his blood. It got in his blood. I want to be such a fan of the Lord Jesus Christ, such a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it's in my blood. I want it to get in my children. I want Pentecostal worship. The waving of the hands, the clapping of the hands, the hallelujahs. I don't want it to die out. I want it to get in I got it in my blood. My mama got it in me. My daddy got it in me. I got Pentecostal blood. I don't care if I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, just get something in you that's a worshiper. Get some it's not a denominational thing. It's a worship thing. I want it in my children. I want it in my grandchildren. I want all of them. We. This is how we fight our battles. When we go through trouble, when we go through heartache, we walk right in here, we throw our hands up, and we sing, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. That's what we do. That's who we are. We are team heaven, and we will praise him. And it gets in our blood, and it goes to our children and our children too. Everybody take a praise break if you're a fan. If you're a real fan, if you're on the Lord's side. If you don't care what anybody thinks. They've told me for years, if you don't cut it out, if you don't calm down, if you don't, If you don't get a stool and sit on it and start calming down, that you're going to lose the church and people going to leave. I've heard those voices. No, they won't. No, they won't. People are dying. They're starving for a move of God. I'm going to get louder, not quieter. Can Can I finish my little sermon? Did you know that serpents don't have voice boxes? Snakes don't have voice boxes. Snakes don't get loud. That's why you never see Judas in the Bible worshiping. He saw all kinds of miracles, but you never see him with his hands raised worshiping. He's a snake. The only time he uses his voice is for social justice. When Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons, was set free. And she brought her alabaster box, which was one year's worth of wages. It was what she used, the perfume, to attract men, because most women in that culture could not even afford or have expensive perfume. But it let all the men in the area where she was know, I'm here. I'm here for you. One encounter with Jesus and he casts seven demons out of her. And she comes in and she takes the alabaster box and Judas is standing in the corner and she breaks open the... She didn't pour it. She broke it. She was saying, I'm never going to use this perfume again. I'll never crawl in bed of adultery with a man again. I'll never have sex outside of marriage again. I'm breaking this box. And I'm pouring it on the feet of Jesus. And she dried his feet with her hair. And Judas, the snake, didn't worship with her. He said, what a waste. We could do something for the poor. What a waste. I want to tell you, first of all, this church does a lot for the poor and the needy. And we always have and we always will. But that is not the message of the church. The message of the church is silver and gold have I none that can fix your spiritual problem. But such as I have... The blood, the cross, the name, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, I give it unto you. Let it change you. Let it transform you. Let it set you free. Let it break curses. Let it break chains of addiction. This is the gospel, and it still works if we'll proclaim it. I'm for team heaven. I'm for team heaven. Now, let me close this somehow. I'll skip that. You know what Jesus said? How he knows whether or not we're on team heaven or team hell, whether we're a fan of Jesus or a fan of the world. He says, in this life, John 16, in this life, you will have tribulation, but be a good fan. Good fans don't just cheer when their team's winning, but a real good fan when their team looks like they're going to lose, that's when they get it. Come on now. Come on now. And that's what he's saying. He's saying the way that I know which team you're on is not how you do when everything's going great. But I'll watch what you do when you're in tribulation, when you get a bad report. Can I tell you real fans get sick? Real fans get in financial need? Real fans of Jesus Christ go through calamities. And sometimes their marriages are on the rocks. Sometimes their family is all messed up. Real fans go through tribulation. But he said, here's what I want you to do, and I'll know you're a real fan, and I'll know you're on Team Heaven. If when you get in tribulation be of good cheer keep on cheering keep on praising keep on using your voice keep on standing for I have overcome the world that's what you call a world championship and he has won it and all I've got to do is praise him (laughs) who's on the Lord's side even in tribulation be of good cheer not suicidal good cheer Now let me let me tell you this. When Stephen was being stoned, he looked up into heaven. And as the rocks were hitting him, the heavens opened, and the Bible said that he saw Jesus standing. He got up out of his throne and was giving him a standing ovation. Because when you not only are Are we fans of him? But he's fans of us. When we stand through tribulation, when we stand through persecution, when we stand against what we know is evil and wrong, and we don't do it to say we're holier and better than you. We do it because our faith compels us to take a stand for little babies and take a stand for what is right. He said, I want you to know I know, Stephen, by what you're going through for my name's sake that you're a fan of me. I just want to stand up in front of all the angels in heaven and I want you to know I'm a fan of you. You get a standing ovation. You got me out of my throne seat. Now watch this. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, John the Baptist said, Verily I say unto you, I baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Uh Uh-oh. Whose fan, I know, I know he's talking about the kind of fan to to flame, but I'm going to use it like this. Whose fan is in his hand. Can I tell you that if you stand, if you praise Him, lift your voice, if you are willing to go through tribulation and keep on cheering, keep on praising, keep on worshiping, He says, I just want you to know if you're my fan, I'm your fan, and my fans are in my hand. And then one more last verse. John 10 and verse 28. Oh, I love this verse. Throw it up. And I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. See, I thought team heaven would really perk up right there. But apparently I'm about to have a big altar call in here. But And I give them eternal life. And they... That's us shall never perish, Uh uh-oh, neither shall anyone ever snatch my fan out of my hand. You may go through the fire, but it won't overtake you, and you'll go through the flood, but it won't drown you. You may go through the lion's den, but they won't eat you, because I've got my fans in my hand. And no devil can pluck them out of my hand. No devil can snatch your children out of my hand. No addiction can take your children so far. My fingers of love cannot grip them. My fans are in my hand. Boy, when you get that revelation... You can praise your way into his hand. You can worship your way into his hand. You can in tribulation begin to give good cheers of God still on the throne and it is well. And he's working even when I can't see it and I don't feel it. He's moving, he's doing it, he's bringing it to pass. You just keep on praising and you get up in his hand. He says nothing. Somebody's worried about your son. I've been there. Somebody's worried about your daughter. I've been there. Somebody's worried about somebody in your family, but the Lord wants you to understand that because you're a fan of mine, I got your whole family in my hand. And I will not let them it. Stand up on your feet, everybody. And give Jesus Christ, our champion, the biggest praise you can. And if you let anybody decide you do it better than you, you aren't much of a fan. This ain't about you. It's about our our champion. Now watch this. Now watch this. So so I was listening. I, I listen all the time mess every spare minute that I have I'm listening listening and I heard a faith minister who was teaching on faith and preaching for your family and this is what he said he said he had a woman in his church and he said the woman heard him say that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ you shall be saved and your house that salvation included the whole family and her husband would never come to church with her never ever ever come to church with her and so she got one of his suits and wrapped it up and put it in a little box and set it in the seat beside her with the shirt and the tie and the suit and during praise and worship that seat would be sitting there with her husband's suit and she would just raise her hands and praise the lord and thank god And look over at that suit and just thank you, Jesus. I praise the Lord. He's coming. He's coming. She did that. Everybody in the church is, you know how word spreads. Y'all talk a lot. And, 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 and word spread and everybody in the church knew it. Her husband never knew she was doing that. And she did it for, for a long time, months and months and months. One Sunday morning, he just got up. She didn't ask him to put on that very suit. Went to church, sat in that chair. How many of you know the Holy Ghost doesn't play fair? The poor guy, the whole church, the, the pastor changed his whole sermon. Poor guy got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and they baptized him in water. Now watch this. True, true. He's coming every Sunday. And they wanted to have a baby. And he said she couldn't have a baby. She said, well, it worked for him. She went out and got a baby outfit. (laughs) With little bitty shoes. And told her husband, move over. (laughs) And put the baby outfit in the seat. And just started worshiping. And told her husband, get your hands up. Worship. Takes two to tango. Come on, I need you to believe too. And he said, I want you to know that I dedicated that baby to the Lord Jesus Christ. I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you ever get in his hand, it includes your family, and you need to know that his fan is in his hand, and nothing can well, nothing can snatch them out of your hand, the nail-scarred hand raise your hands all over this room. And I want the team heaven to open up your mouth for the next few moments and I just want you to praise him. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go one step further. This is just, might as well go on and do what I want to do. I want every one of you who are on team heaven and love him more than you are worried about a meal or anything else, get out of your seat and come stand down here with your family in your heart and on your mind. I want you to say he's got my whole family. I'm a fan. And he's got my whole family in his hand. All of them. And nothing can snatch them out of his nail-scarred hand. Nothing. He's got a life grip on them. And he will not. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And if you're going through tribulation, we're about to find out whose team you're on. If you can only praise him in the good times, you don't—you you probably aren't where you need to be. But if you ever learn to be of good cheer when you're going through tribulation, throw your hands up now and begin to praise the Lord all over this room, all up and down these aisles and proclaim, His salvation and his victory over your your family, over your sons, over your daughters, over your grandchildren. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin, and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.